switched up. They was looking down on me. Now I'm up. Wish you would've stuck with me. Now you stuck. Cause somebody else hating every time I look up. Can't keep me down. Can't keep me down. What up, though? It's your man Tarek Ahab, back for another episode of Wild Lie with Tarek, the most unapologetic podcast in the game. Uh, I got a guest in here tonight. We about to get it in, dive deep into some issues of the mind and uh, a lot of other things. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Sylvia. Um, who am I? <laughs> I am from Ypsilanti, Michigan. I have a master's, well, bachelor's and a master's in social work. Um, technically, I am a licensed clinical social worker, but most of my jobs have been in therapy, so in community mental health, um, CPS, uh, crisis intervention, kind of all over the place. Oh, wow. What else you want to know? So a bachelor's and a master's. Yeah. What school did you go to? So I went to Arkansas State University in, for undergrad, and uh, graduate school, I went to the University of Georgia. Mm. Um, my mother got divorced in 2003, and she decided to pack us up and move us to Arkansas. Okay. So I finished the last two years of high school in the country. <laughs> in Arkansas. <laughs> in Arkansas. So then you, uh, four years at Arkansas. And then you went to Georgia for graduate school. Mm -hmm. So okay. I graduated ASU spring 2009. And that was around the time where, like, everybody was moving to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. But I was like, well, I don't want to move home, but I don't want to just be like, well, everybody moving to Atlanta. So I was like, I'm going to go to UGA so I can move <laughs> close and it still makes sense. Okay. Okay. So why clinical therapy why what made you go down that line so i never wanted to be a therapist <laughs> okay like ever and here yet here you are um growing up i always wanted to be i always wanted to help people um i wanted to write and i wanted to make money uh originally when i went into uh, undergrad for the most money i literally would google like who makes the most money? And it was psychologists, but I took psychology courses and they were all boring. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, what other helping professionals are there? Nursing. Uh, nursing is a lot of bodily fluids and science is not my thing. Like I was really good in school, like all K through whatever. Mm -hmm. And I took chemistry and got a C and I was like yeah no <laughs> so I was a nursing major for like one semester chemistry is difficult chemistry is chemistry is difficult uh that, I, I think in my college career chemistry gave me the the most chemistry gave me more problems than anatomy and like people hate anatomy but chemistry was harder than anatomy to me mm -hmm. you know but uh so you know you get into psychology you get into social work. Social work. So okay. my room, one of my roommates at the time was in uh, the social work program, 
And like every time she would come to the room, she would have something interesting what they were talking about. And I'm like, this is cool. Like I feel like I, make, I can make this work. So um, I switched my major and I graduated and it's kind of just been moving along from there. Uh, like I went straight through from undergrad to my master's program. I finished my master's program in one year. Oh wow. So I graduated ASU May 09 and I graduated from UGA in May 10. Okay. And then real life started. <laughs> right. At this time I was jumping into the workforce. I was 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just thrown in. Like my first job was in CPS, so I was an investigator for DeKalb County, Georgia. Mm-hmm. So that's Decatur, uh, Lithonia, all those places. Um, and I was just out there. So uh, with with CPS, like, was that a difficult job for you? Because I had uh, I had one like. Well, two experiences with CPS, right? So I have, uh, so my daughter, you know, me and her mother split custody, right? So she's with me 50% of the time and with her mother 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, my daughter's older brother burned himself ironing, mm-hmm. right? So he burns himself with the iron and he goes to school. He goes to school. The teacher sees the marks. They notify CPS. CPS notifies the mother, hey, you got to come up to this school, blah, 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 blah. They do an investigation there, but they release him back to the mother's custody, but they called me. I was at work, and they was like, listen, uh, we about to come talk to you. The mother of your daughter, her other child was, you know, involved in an incident, blah, 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 blah. Do you believe that she would you know, hurt your children or allow them to, or, or you know, facilitate an environment where they could be hurt. I'm like, no, never. Like, no, hell no. You know what I'm saying? Well, she was like, okay, well, we still got to come out and do our investigation and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, like I literally had to take off work and wait for CPS to come, you know, or they was going to take all the kids from her. Like, like it, it got real. So like, I know you must have seen some, some shit. Like that was like the first time CPS was like in my, in my, you know, in my space, in my face, like, wow. So, I hated it, to answer your question. Okay. Um, I interned there. I never wanted to work there. Mm-hmm. Um, for social work, you have to have, like, a practicum, so an internship. And at the time, like, I went to school on all loans and all this other stuff. So, they had a stipend with the Department of Family and Children's Services that would pay for a portion of my school, which one year at UGA was like $50,000. Wow. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going I'm to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Makes so, sense. So um, I did my internship in foster care. Mm. I was like, okay, so I don't have to technically, you know, take anybody's kids. Uh, I could just be on the other end. Like once they're in care, I can make sure that they're good. Mm-hmm. Um. So I graduate, and then they're just like, well, we're certifying y'all in both. Because um, the, the deal was we'll pay for you to go to school, but then you owe us one year of employment. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll just do foster care. And they're like, no, we're going to cross-certify you. And then they threw us all into investigations. Wow. So <laughs> so I hated it. Um, like, 
I would pray that I would never have to do a deprivation. So that is like you going and removing someone's child. Okay. That was my worst fear. I didn't want to have anything to do with that because um, it's terrible. Like the judge, literally the social worker calls whoever's on call for the night, and the judge says, yay or nay, you can go with the police to take these kids from their homes. I never wanted to be a part of that. Mm. Like my spirit just wasn't aligned. So did your prayers work? Did you ever have to do it? I didn't. Good. So the only okay. thing I had to do was um, – I think I went with another counselor with the transportation. Mm-hmm. So literally it's like kids are being pulled, police are going, but it's up to the foster care um, case manager to like transport, pack these babies up, find out where they're going. Sometimes they can go to family. Sometimes you have to find other placements. And you can't leave until those kids are placed. So that could be you sleeping in the office. So, yeah, no, my prayers were answered. I never <laughs> had to do it. Um, that literally was the, my first job was the only job, I, job I've been fired from. <laughs> How did you get fired? What happened? So, <laughs> I'm young, right? Okay. And you're telling me I have to do, so for CPS investigations, they have to be closed within 30 days. Mm-hmm. In 30 days, you need to talk to whoever the victim child is. You need to talk to the parents or guardians. Then you also have to have collateral contact to say, hey, do you know these people? Are they good parents? Yada, yada, yada. Um, People don't always – 30 days seems like a long time. Like, you should be able to do that. But not if dad's in jail. Like, I've had to go to DeKalb County Jail to interview fathers. Mm Mm-hmm. The jail system don't always cooperate. Right, right. Like, the only time you can come is at this time. Sir, I get off work at 5 p.m. Well, this is visitation. <laughs> okay, so it's like, my cases usually always went over, because I, I don't want you to lose your kids. Like, I want you to cooperate. I need you to be at home when you say you're going to be there. Um, and it was just a lot. And then I learned that Unfortunately, a lot of the case managers weren't doing the work. Right, right. They were just documenting the work. Right, right. So that's if that's all the conversation was ever about was like, well, where's the documentation? I can't document anything that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. But people were lying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I was fired. <laughs> so what do you do now? So now... Um, I started my own private practice. Okay. Last, this time last year, um, literally because I could no longer work within the system. So, like, all of my jobs, I've found a way to, not found a way, the evils of the system were exposed to me. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a decision between getting a check or being like, hey, y'all, this ain't right. So I've moved around quite a bit, but um, I, my last like corporate, I guess, job position was at an integrated health clinic, and they just weren't right. Like, it just wasn't okay. I asked if I could just do part-time and do my own thing on the side. They told me no, so I, had, I resigned, mm-hmm. and I started my private practice. Okay, so fuck that job. What do you do in your private practice? <laughs> So this whole 
like 2020 to 2021 now has been me trying to figure that out. So traditionally, most mental health professionals, they'll get with CMH or, you know, an agency that provides counseling and therapy. They give you your salary and they kind of just tell you who you're going to see. Mm-hmm. So I've seen some of everything, uh, which is very exhausting. <laughs> so now I want to, like, zone in. So specifically now I want to work with women um, during postpartum. Because mm. that's literally, it's a space a lot of people don't talk about. Okay. A lot of women don't talk about it because they don't even know what's going on a lot of times. Like, we call it the fourth trimester. Mm. And it's a lot. I mean, you have children. Right. So, like, you've probably seen the emotional, physical strain that comes after having a child. Okay. So, describe what postpartum is. So, I think a lot of people get confused or mix the two because there is postpartum depression. Right. So that's a clinical diagnosis. Like, your mood has been shifted since you've had this baby. But see, so postpartum depression, that's some psychiatry shit. That's an actual diagnosis. Right. That's where niggas trying to give you some medicine. Or just help. Medicine is a part of the process. Okay. Not the whole process. I See, because I hate the motherfuckers that just try to throw you on some medication. Yeah. Like... You know, because I just think that it's too much of that. You know what I'm saying? Fuck trying to, you know, sell me this pharmaceutical company's pills. Help me with my shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I just believe that that's the answer more than let's just shove these pills down your throat. But continue. So I, I'm i not completely against medicine, but I am against it being, like, the first option. Right. Okay. Um, a lot of people are in such a bad space where even if you come to a session and do therapy with me, you're, you're not stable enough. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will recommend medication just to help you get to a space so I can help you kind of figure out these triggers, figure out these coping mechanisms. Because I've had people that would sit in front of me and literally couldn't talk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely not against medication if that's what you need. But I just believe that, you know, it's been, you know, over fucking mm-hmm. overdone, you know, so much, especially with young people, with children. It's just like, God damn, we're just going to put them on some pills. Mm-hmm. We're going to just have everybody running around catatonic. Like, come on, man. Like, that's what that's, my biggest issue was for working with CMH. Because most, so I'm from Ipsy. Um, a lot of my work, I work for Washington County Community Mental Health. Um, so we covered Ipsy, Ann Arbor. All the little townships that's created. Um, what else is a part of it? Northville, a piece of it. Um, and I supported not only the children, but the families themselves with children that were diagnosed with social emotional disturbances. Mm-hmm. So, with children, they try on paper to not give them this like full blown diagnosis because this is a kid, you don't know they're still developing. So usually we know it's just some type of social emotional development. Either like they're having a hard time interacting with other people and like themselves because they don't really know how to manage their emotions. Okay. So 
I want you to get back to your postpartum shit. I'm sorry I, I no, couldn't okay. in there and catch you. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, so, yeah. So this, the biggest thing is postpartum depression is an actual diagnosis. It's a mood disorder. But any woman that has a kid or um, unfortunately doesn't bring that child into the world, there is a, there is a postpartum period. So what I want to do is I want to be able to support that mother and her and her family and supports during that fourth trimester. Okay, okay, yeah. I d- I don't hear anything about this. Not that I would. I you know I can't get pregnant, so it may just be you know in a atmosphere that I'm not privy to. But yeah, I don't I don't hear anybody talking about this mm-hmm. for real. You know, like in a real way. So that's. Especially when it comes to men, too. Like, men, this is open to y'all, too. Like, I want to support. Because that's a lot. Like, you don't know. You didn't have the child, right? Mm-hmm. But for the majority of cases, you're a witness to what's happening. And mom can't always describe it. If y'all are both, you know, taking care of the baby, y'all are delusional. Like, my sister had a kid. They weren't sleeping for weeks. Yeah, fuck like, yeah. That's Hell yeah. But, like, my sister to a point was, like, I don't know. I think I'm, like, delusional. Like, I'm seeing things. And it's pure exhaustion. So can you help me if I had a baby by the wrong chick? Can you can you help me, too, then? Like, yeah, because you know, you're still going through it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going through it even more. Yeah. You know, yeah, because now I got to deal with this bitch. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So, <laughs> I, um, so I'm, I'm scaling down so that I could fully pour in to the people that I'm working with. Okay. So I'll have a track um, specifically for postpartum support, and then I'll have personal development. So that's kind of just anybody, right? Um, Guys with postpartum support, it's definitely for you. Like, you don't – there's no way to, like, get prepared for that. Like, you get prepared for the baby to come, but you don't get prepared for, like, the emotional – strain like I don't think you can be prepared that you gonna be up for however long this baby is up like your (laughs) needs don't matter right like oh I haven't showered today yeah so I didn't experience it with my first son with my first child right so my first child you know Tavon he was born when I was in prison so I didn't go through none of that shit you know what I'm saying you know what I'm saying? Uh, three months after I get to prison, he was born. So he was he grew up while I was in jail. Mm-hmm. So, but with my daughter, you know what I'm saying, with Malia, I was there, you know, I, so I came home and, you know, I fucking got out of prison and immediately got her pregnant. Mm-hmm. And boom, she had Malia. Like, immediately. <laughs> like, it was like the first thing on the goddamn list. Like, have a baby, nigga. You know what I'm saying? So... Boom, I do that, and at the time, I wasn't working because I'm a convicted felon, you know what I'm saying? So it's hard for me to find a job, right? So her mom would go to work, you know what I'm saying? When the baby was, you know, she pregnant, going through the shit, we, you know what I'm saying, going through all the ultrasounds and all the fucking meetings and the, you know, the vitamins and all of that shit, then boom, you know, it's action. We got action. I'm going into labor. Boom, we have the baby. We bring the baby home. Uh, She was there for probably about two weeks. And then it was on me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Probably like. I was with my brother-in-law. Yeah. It was just like. 
Two, what, what, about, what, what am I supposed to Two, maybe three weeks. And then it was just me. You know what I'm saying? So she would go to work from, excuse me, she would go to work from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. So it's just me and this baby girl. You know what I'm saying? And I'm in this bitch like, oh, shit. Like, and this is my first time because my son is five now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I, I've never done this. And it was a lot. Like, like I swear, like, I was, like, fucking hand her off as soon as she walked in the door. Like, you don't got time to kick your shoes off, unwind. Like, no, nigga, here's your shift. Here's your kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, because I've been in this. And they say I spoiled her because I don't, I mean, I don't know what to do, but I just want you to stop crying. You know what I'm saying? So I'm walking around the house holding you, patting you all day. So then that became the only way that she would calm down. If you didn't walk around, you know what I'm saying, walk the house, holding her, patting her, she would never calm down mm-hmm. because I had conditioned her to that state, and it was just a fucking lot. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. So, yeah. Man, shit. Yeah, where was you at <laughs> in 2011 when I needed you, ma'am? <laughs> uh, probably somewhere drinking for a loco. <laughs> <laughs> drinking for a loco. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I actually uh, and I just started talking about this this year because um, God has a way of the things that I don't want to talk about and I yeah I talk about God a lot folks that's just what it is I but it. Um, God I have a way of telling God like I, I ain't dealing with that because I don't want to right now and I'll have a client show up that's literally dealing with what I am dealing with I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, but in regards to having children, I found myself pregnant in 2013, January 2013. Um, the father was not interested in having a kid. Uh, and I had to make a decision. Like, I was 24. Mm-hmm. But I was working for the county, literally making... $35,000 a year, splitting rent with my sister. I was like, uh, how am I going to take care of a kid? Um, and this guy is saying he doesn't want a kid. And my whole thing is I don't want to bring somebody in the world that isn't necessarily wanted. And then back to the Four loco, like I don't want to have to tell my kid, like, yeah, you were, I was drinking 1800 and Four loco, and boom, there's like no romantic story to be told. So I had an abortion in January 2013. Um, so I do want to support women in, in that aspect as well because I think, no, I know I carried a lot of shame about that. Like I literally didn't talk to my mom or tell my mom until this year. Wow. And it was because I did want my family to weigh in on the decision. Right. And I knew my mom was just going to be like, oh, no, okay, cool. Right. But no. <laughs> right. See, and it's so interesting that you would say this, right? Because it's like, you know, as a man, it's like, all right, cool, you know, shit, how much you need type shit. That that's really that really be the energy. I still need my um six hundred dollars Yeah, if 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 that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But then so but you're the one you know, going through this process, you're the one, you know, 
laying on this fucking table with the emotional stress of this decision lifelong. Like right now, shit is fucking what? Shit, 10 years later. And you're still, you talking about you just told your mom, like that. So that's a lot to carry. So you know for a fact, like you have an excellent demographic on your hands. I'm, and I'm here to fucking tell you, you have a huge demographic. You are needed. What you're trying to accomplish is needed, mm-hmm. especially in our community, because you know, my, our community is the only community I give a fuck about. I don't really give a fuck about what anybody else is doing. I care about what black people are doing. So we need you. And this is wow, like wow. So yeah, I had a conversation because I talk to God like he's my homeboy. Like I talk to him like I'm talking to as you should. So I was like, okay, God, I think I'm finally ready to like help women deal with this. And he was like, but you're a woman and you're not helping yourself. Like what? Like how are you gonna help other women and you haven't fully even told your mother and your sister? Like my mom and my sister, like my best friends pretty mm-hmm. much you haven't even told them that's deep so i literally went out to get burgers at like red robin with my mom and like told her over burgers and beer and she was like well i really wish you just would have told me like i wanted i i'm sad that i wasn't able to support you and i'm like oh okay wow so uh just a little off subject. So it's just you, your mom, and your sister. So no, um, my mother has three children. Mm-hmm. My older brother, who is thirty nine, myself thirty four, and my sister, who is fifteen months younger than me. I think she'll be thirty three in January. Um, my our father has six children, mm-hmm. so he has two sets. Um, my mother and father, to my knowledge, were high school sweethearts. Um, they're from Muskegon. They both came to Ipsy to go to Eastern, and they kind of, well, my brother was created. They're f- my mother's freshman year. Okay. Um, they got married after my mother graduated, and then had me and my sister, and relationship dissolved i have the oldest of the second set was born so my sister was born in 89 my oldest younger brother was born in 91 oh okay so they okay um so i have five siblings okay but so you so because you said uh you didn't tell your mother and your sister Mm -hmm. so but so you're i mean how was you and your brother's relationship and how is you and your father's relationship? That's a good question because that's been like a big thing this year. Um, after my parents, after my father started his new family, um, my mom eventually moved on, married. So there was a father in my household, just wasn't my biological father. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to my dad's house every other weekend because he always lived within like 10 minutes of us. Um, but he worked too. Like my dad has been a dis- distributor, like a snack, snack cake distributor for different gas stations and stuff like my whole life. Right. And now he has his own truck on routes, does all that. Um, so that's all I've really known my dad to do is work 
and it was never my mother never presented it a different way like it's your dad he works he do what he need to do clearly there was overlap common sense says there's overlap but my mom never went into that like she had her husband they had kids my dad and his partner had their kids my mom would braid because they're my younger siblings are biracial so my mom would braid their hair because their mother didn't know how to do that um it was very cordial for the most part um because my mom didn't discuss how it dissipated right i mean naturally not with young girls like she didn't I, I can imagine she would y'all wouldn't have that conversation until you got much older. So yeah. yeah. So I fast Im- forward. I can imagine. I'm in college and my sister my sister my sister we're like like a, a good balance. So if one's like the milder one, there's the other one's feisty. We've kind of switched places since she's been married and had a kid. But it got to the point where she was 18, you know, she was smelling herself, like they say. And it was like, well, I'll just, my dad can come pick me up. <laughs> I'll call my dad to come get me. It's nothing. And my mom was like, girl, let me tell you about your dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's how it came out, that there was, like, an affair. Mm-hmm. whoop de whoop but yeah, I never heard my mom say a negative thing about my father. So I didn't have that framework growing up that my dad was just no good. My issues with my father came when I started dating. Because I don't, there is no emotion. To answer your question, I have a relationship with my dad, but it's just transactional. So, like, when we're coming up, it's my weekend. Okay, so y'all here. We'll go to Blockbuster, get a couple movies, take y'all home Sunday. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, Freud would call this the Electra Complex. So, do you think that that's it? That that natural relationship between a daughter and her father was not cultivated properly in youth? And it affected you much later, than, mm-hmm. but you didn't realize it up I until... I didn't realize it. Right. I kind of think that's what's going on with my sister, right? So, and she's probably going to kill me when she hears this fucking podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. But we grew up without a father, right? So it was me, my mom, and my sister. You know, my father and my mom divorced in 1985. And so my my sister was five when he left. I was only fucking, what? Two going on three. So you were like me and my brother. He was like five and yeah. I was like two. Yeah, so I was like two going on three and she was five already, right? So she had a, you know, she knew this motherfucker. I didn't even know this motherfucker. I don't have no. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't know him as a, as a kid. I don't remember seeing him until I got into the fifth grade. Like, but she know, no, he used to pick us up and he used to do the, I don't know none of that shit. But I believe, personally, and I really just had this realization once you told me you were coming on the podcast, and I'm like, all right, what are we going to talk about? And I'm, so I'm going over topics. And 
you know, I, I know a little bit about you because we follow each other. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I'm like, shit, this is what my sister's going through, you know. My sister's 41 years old and, you know, no children, not married. And she like, fuck that shit for real. But I believe that that comes from that childhood traumatic place. So, you know, I I want I definitely want her to go talk to somebody just to you know work that shit out because though if it's anything I can stress is that black people go through so much traumatic shit in this country we all need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. I am still looking for a fucking uh, therapist to talk to right now. I have somebody for you. Yeah, because they tried to send me to this fucking Arab guy in Dearborn. I don't, nigga, you don't know my existence. You didn't grow up how the fuck I grew up. Like, you can't relate to me. So I immediately walked out there like, bro, I need somebody black. You know what I'm saying? So I'm still trying to find a therapist. But yeah, I do believe that my sister is going through the same thing, and it happened in that young Mm -hmm. time frame. Yeah, like, and I have this thing where I love black men so much that I... Don't I don't want to drag you all like I could. <laughs> I have so many stories where like I really could drag you, but it, for what? Like it hurts. To, me. to what end? It right. hurts. Um, and I also like it paints a picture for other people to believe everything that's being said. Like a lot of stuff that's retorted from white people, they get because y'all said it. There was a post on Twitter um, the other day. And the question literally was, the way I read it, was women that date and are attracted to men, what is something that you have learned about them or yourself? I didn't even go through the thread. I'm just like, okay, cool. I le- Like, men need reassurance too. Boom. Retweeted it. Left it alone. I come back. A girl reposted and like, no, they don't. What? So I didn't even respond. I was like, let me go through this thread to see. Like, did I read the question wrong? (laughs) So I go through the thread and it's nothing but negativity. Absolutely. Man ain't shit. Oh, yeah. This is what I learned. That wasn't the question. Mm -hmm. What did you learn? And it's like, they do this, they do that. It was just really, like, nasty stuff that I don't even, you know, care to reshare. But I'm just, like, I'm scrolling through trying to find the positive because it's like, did I read the question wrong? Because to me, even if I didn't have anything positive to say about men, there was another part of that question. What have you learned? See, you're an anomaly as you, as, as as that post right. As that post showed, clearly showed you, you're an anomaly. So then you, men started posting like, I found a positive one. <laughs> I was like, this is sad. You're not the typical, you know, because that's that's the narrative. That's what it is. That's what's popping. And so I hate that popular culture influences people our age, right? So I'm four years older than you. I'm 38. So, but people in our age range, I hate that we're still... And so influenced by popular culture, like we in our fucking 20s. I can understand teenagers and 20-year-olds being influenced by this shit. But when this motherfucker's our age, what the fuck is wrong with you? 
because we come from a time and a place before all of this shit existed. You know what I'm saying? I really, I swear, the only reason I'm on Facebook is to know that my niggas is still alive. My family. It's like a family reunion. Like, I know I know everybody's safe because I can see your post. I'm about to love the shit out of your post. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't got to talk to you every fucking day. Nigga, if you posting, you're alive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's how the fuck I know what's going on. But, you know, I interact with Instagram. But Facebook, I, I know all my people are here. If I don't see a motherfucker, now I know. I ain't seen this motherfucker in a minute. Let me reach out and see what the fuck is going on. Do this motherfucker need to talk? Blah, 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 blah. You know, so I interact on Instagram and Twitter for entertainment. But Facebook is strictly for that. But I'm not engulfed in social media. But some people are engulfed in that shit and letting that control them instead of the other way around. Yeah. And, and and that's a problem for people our age. But let's get back to you and your father's relationship. So you talked about your father. What about the relationship with your brother? Um, so if you don't mind, listen, you cannot answer no, any no, of No, no, I'm going to answer because okay. literally, again, this is God. Like, literally, I've been dealing with this uh, all year. Um... My father, like I said, I don't, the way I protected myself was to set boundaries. Like, I don't have expectations in my dating life. I don't have expectations for men either. Um, That's kind of sad. That, that, no, that, that, that is sad. It is. It's not kind of. That, fuck the modifier. That's sad. Yeah. So, um, like, I'm learning. Like, there's, there's to clarify, there are things that I'm just not going to tolerate. Absolutely. Um, like you're not gonna disrespect me. Um, you're not gonna talk to me crazy. Like you know, there's things that are like non-negotiable. But this, well, you need to send me. No, I, I'm actually needed to get my nails done before I met you. So I'm gonna keep getting them done. <laughs> uh, so yeah, those types of expectation that the girls are like putting out there, that is like a requirement. Um, those aren't my expectations. And it's because I never looked for my dad to do anything other than pay child support. Like, he didn't come to anything that I did in school. He didn't come to any appointments. And like I said, he's always lived within 10, 15 minutes of us. Um, We went to Willow Run Community Schools before they closed them or merged them or whatever. Um, so basically all of my, my father has the whole millennial generation. Like my brother is 39. I have a younger set of twins and I think they turned 28 this year or something. But there is no emotional attachment to my dad other than the fact that I love him. Like I don't look, I don't, my dad's never, that I know have, has never told me that he's loved me. I never recall being in pictures with my father. I've never recalled my father hugging me. Um, my dad usually tells me happy birthday after my birthday. He was on it this year because he has an iPhone now, so he texts. Right. Um, oh, my fucking goodness. So, uh, I'm sorry. I'm a dad yeah. of, of, of three girls. So, fucking wow. I, yeah. I, I, my mind is blown. So, so let me ask you another question. So how long have you been single? I have been single since 2016. 
2016, and it's about to be 2022. So that uncultivated relationship with your father, when did you realize that it was affecting your dating life or relationship life? With, like, when did you make that connection? Because I didn't figure out that me not having the dad, I thought I got through that shit unscathed. In, in my head, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. bitch, you're doing a good job. You know what I'm saying? Like, nigga, I'm bitter. Like, like I'm, I'm fucking this life shit up. You know what I'm saying? I got degrees. I own businesses. I, you know what I'm saying? I got this, this, I got a motorcycle. You know what I'm saying? But then I'm dealing with baby mama, you know what I'm saying? Splitting cuts. I'm like, oh shit. I'm fucked up too. You know what I'm saying? And maybe I'm overcompensating because of I because I know what I didn't have. Mm-hmm. So motherfuckers looking at me like, oh, you a good and that's one thing I will never say that I'm a good father. I will you will never fucking hear me say that. I'm just doing the best job that I know how to do. But I don't know what the fuck I'm doing because I didn't have an example. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying shit. You know what I'm saying? So to answer your question about my brother, he didn't have an example. He didn't have an example, and I literally just told this to my mother the other day because I had a situation um, where I needed a man, literally. Um, he, I think the part, the, part, the part that was modeled for him is that men are providers. Mm-hmm. Um, but providing is beyond financial and, like, a lot of men showing don't. up. A lot of men don't get that. Showing up. Or, you know, bossing up because a man spilled a drink on you. Like, what about the emotional part? Um, a lot of men believe providing is strictly financial. I can pay for shit, so I'm a man. Mm-hmm. No. Scammers but, pay for shit all the time, sir. Yeah, and I go to work. Uh, you know. But, so, w- when did you make the connection that, all right, my childhood, not having a dad... And, you know, going through the it's my weekend, black buster shit, when did you realize that that affected you in your relationships? Because you're fucking, uh, this is a, that's a long time to be single. I'm sorry, I'm not picking on you, but that's a long time to be single, ma'am. So, yeah. uh, so I date. I, I, I say I, I uh, have, uh, I like have long, very long swings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. So, um, I noticed, I want, my first answer was when I was in therapy, but it was before that. Like, my friend, um, we were talking, and, like, my friends, what I love about us is that we have our niggas ain't shit conversations, but it's just like, okay, but what did you do? Because you ignored some of these things. Like you, like you can you can say uh, he hit me in my DMs. Look how he talking to me, but you responded. <laughs> I don't men that I don't want to talk to in my DMs. I don't respond to. Oh my God! Listen, you are a fucking unicorn. I don't. They don't get more it. Of us out there, but oh, I don't. Res- I don't respond. Um, man, I don't. I don't date men or get in relationships with men so I can have somebody to pay for my hair and nails. Take me to dinner. I take myself out all the time. Probably more than I my bank account allows. <laughs> um, I like bags. 
I buy my own. Um, but the thing is, and my issue that I realize is that I'm overcompensating. It's like, I can do all this, 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 and this, and this. But you're still lonely at night, sis. You're still, you're still lonely. True. So, <laughs> okay. So you can do this. You can buy your own bat. So what, what do you believe that your issue is when it comes to relationships? So what is Sylvia's flaw? What is Sylvia's relationship flaw? I I go into it, and I have two thoughts. First thought is like, could I marry this person? Cool. Second thought is like, okay, the lunatic gonna fuck her. So, marriage is the goal. Marriage is marriage the is always the goal. Okay, so marriage is the goal. Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now that thinking that is the problem. That's that's a major problem, and I'm gonna get into that in a second. And the so your second issue is when is he gonna fuck up? So you know he's gonna fuck up though. Yeah. You know everybody's gonna quote unquote fuck up. You know what I'm saying? So there are no perfect people. You know, this motherfucker's going to drop the ball. It's just to what magnitude? Yeah. You know, that that's that should be the gauge. Like, damn, is he going to blatantly disrespect me or blah, 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 blah? Or is it just going to be some, oh, some shit slipped my mind and I forgot? Because mm-hmm. it's it's degrees to fucking up. There are degrees. I, I, Jordan missed a shot. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no nigga going to be perfect no matter how good of a great man. It's not a perfect man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So... It's, it's still going to be there. So when is he going to fuck up? Uh, that's self-sabotage. It but is. That's, that, that's my biggest thing is self-sabotage. Okay. Um, and even when it's going good, I will find a way to explode it. Absolutely. Most women do. A lot of, I ain't going to say most. A lot of women do. To blow it up. Mm-hmm. Um, full transparency, I do you know, live with anxiety um, just based on previous childhood traumas and life in general. Um, so, yeah, I didn't used to talk about it a lot, but I started communicating about my issues with it. But it was always from this flawed era, like something's wrong with me. And I, I feel like after a while, that's annoying. Like you've already told me this is what it is. I'm going to support you in that or I'm not. But I a lot of times get annoyed with myself. Like, girl, you done already told this man. It's, there's, there's no need <laughs> for you to keep rehashing it. It's like either he gets it and he's going to support it and he's going to help you get through whatever or he's not. I'm going to so I'm, I'm get into both of those issues, but I'm going to tell you this, right? A lot of times, y'all care about shit that we don't even give a fuck about. I learned that as well. We don't give a fuck about none of that shit. Because what you have to understand is if I asked you out and I paid for the fucking date and then I followed up and I spoke to you after, I already like you. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck about none of that childhood shit you're dealing with. I like this motherfucker in front of me. 
but a lot of times you're not good enough for you. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're not good enough for me because I, I'm here. I'm literally showing the fuck up. Day in and day out, I'm texting, I'm Every calling, day. I'm trying to spend time with you. But the problem is not that you're not good enough for me. The problem is you're not good enough for you. And sweetheart, let me, t- and I'm not trying to patronize you when I say that. That's just, I'm sorry, I got daughters. So, but you are not on an island. You're not alone. This is a lot of fucking women. You know what I'm saying? This is a, a plethora of y'all mm-hmm. going through this same shit. And trying to figure it out, but if if you got a guy in your life making effort, showing up, trying to put a smile on your face, just realize you're enough for him. Yeah. Get out of your own head and realize, hey, I'm enough for this person. Mm-hmm. This mother, this nigga, fuck with me, the long way. Yeah. So let me stop fucking this shit up and just go with it. Yeah. That that's a you know yeah. yeah. So, um, quick, fast, and dirty. My, I had a relationship with a guy who was actually my best friend, was my best friend. And uh, he's from Arkansas. He still was living there at the time. I was here in Michigan. Again, I I think I like, I, I, I always picked an emotionally unattached guy because of my own thing. Because, again, no expectations, right? So the long distance thing has never been an issue for me. Um, we dated, and then things just, I hated my job. Um, my sister got married, which me and my, that my sister is my best friend. And what people don't tell you is that when your siblings or even your friends get married and have kids, the dynamic changes between the two of you, as it should. Like when my sister got married, the time that we spent together and all that, you know, lessened. When my sister had a baby, it lessened even more. So it's like, all right, I got to figure something out. I need to give me a life. So in 2016, I made the decision to move to Memphis, Tennessee, to pursue my relationship because um, his he lived in Missouri at the time, but his son lived in Arkansas. So Memphis would have been like 45 minutes away from his son. And mm-hmm. that's another thing. Usually I do date men with kids. Um, and I'm never going to, because of my situation with my father, like you're never going to have to choose between me and your kids, like ever. So I was like, you're not moving to Michigan. That's too far. Like I'll move. I hate everything that's going on here right now anyway. God damn, that's commendable. I, 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 you say it's more of you. I don't fucking buy it, but go ahead. <laughs> so um, I moved uh, against everybody's advice. I moved September uh, 2016. I started my job. I took a $10,000 pay cut. Started my job on the 12th. Um, well, I called him. When I got there, I got there on the 10th. He w- it was weird, but I was like, okay, whatever. I'm tired anyway. I move, whatever. Start my job on the 12th. The 16th, he texts me like, yeah, I don't think I'm the boyfriend for you. I'm like, I just moved. 
Like what? Wh- what? What are you talking about? Like I don't think I'm the man for you. And I'm like, like what? I just picked up my whole life. Um. Wow. So yeah. Uh. And then that was he didn't say nothing else. Like he ghosted me. I texted that man. It took it was like a month, and I was like, okay, re- relax, this is done. Um, and it was crazy because my birthday is September eighteenth. Um, that was my 29th birthday, and that was my first birthday that I had ever spent alone. And I had to sit with myself because it's just like birthdays are really big in my in my family. Mm-hmm. My mom, you don't celebrate celebrate anything else. Your birthday is gonna be celebrated. And I'm like, wow, I left all of that for, for thi- this. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to <laughs> unpack there. There is a lot to unpack. Oh, yeah, I was I was angry. Uh, reasonably so. Uh, I was depressed for a while. Understandable. Um, I was depressed most likely from September to March. And I literally, I can say that because I felt myself come. I was like, you have to pull yourself out of this. Uh, and then I made a plan to come back home. Like that, I literally was in Memphis from September 2016, um, September 2017, my 30th birthday. I moved back home. This is like, I'm I'm never speechless. I am never fucking speechless. This is this is amazing isn't the word. That's not the word the proper word. I've never heard anything like this in my life. It happens a lot. Women don't talk about it. I uh, I commend you for fucking talking about it. It takes bravery. Wow. So listen. So that was four years ago, right? Four or five years ago, right? How, like, do you know how, looking back, you know, because hindsight is twenty twenty. looking back, do you understand how you found yourself in that situation? Yes. Um, I would fall in love with potential. Mm. Like, all the men I date is because I like you. I can see the full potential in you. Like, I can see where this can go. God, like, God, I see it. Uh, people say it sounds crazy. If you don't understand that, then you don't understand it. But I f- also had to learn that God gives you choices. Yeah, I could have chose that man, but it would have limited me. So, and this is now I'm going to swing back to something you said earlier, right? You said marriage is the goal, right? So the problem I've always had with marriage is the goal is the institution, the idea matters more than the person, Mm -hmm. right? So instead of I want to marry this person, it's I want to be married. So now every person I run across, I'm going to try to put them into this mold. Every person. This nigga cute. This nigga got buffs. This nigga got a charger on Ruchi's. Like, whatever dumb reason bitches fuck with guys, they'll try to take that guy 
who has given them no fucking qualifications that he would be a good husband, a good father, but they would try to put him into that because that's the goal is to be married. My goal has always been, let me find a motherfucker worth marrying. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck if I ever get married. But uh, my goal is to find somebody that's worth marrying. So now that flips that whole ideology on its head because now it's person-centered versus Mm institution-centered. So I think a lot of women want to be married. Mm -hmm. It's a whole lot of women. Hell yeah, I want to be married. You don't know the fucking guy that's going to go into that mode because a lot of women go after who they like and try to change that person into who they want. And that's a problem. So you can like a motherfucker for a plethora of stupid ass reasons, but this is not the best person for you. And I'm not saying, I'm not picking on you no, specifically. No, it is. I, it do be stupid. It's, it's general as fuck. You know what I'm saying? A lot, of, I, I see a lot of women. Listen, uh, women, you, in my past, women chose me for stupid ass reasons. Like, back in, in 2010, I don't know what you were doing in 2010, but in 2010, I was... 27, right? So in 2010, I was 27 just getting on Twitter. I fucked the shit out of Twitter just because I'm funny. Yeah, I was on Twitter. Too. Like, Twitter bitches fucked me because I'm funny. Like, oh my God, this nigga crazy. I'm about to go throw him some pussy. You don't know if I'm a good person. <laughs> you don't know anything about me. Nobody cares about I post some funny tweets and now you like, oh, I'm about to throw dogs and pussy. That, that was insanity. You know what I'm saying? Then they try to make me to be the bad guy because you made a bad pussy decision. Mm-hmm. Well, vaginal decisions matter. Like, what you do with your pussy matters. So, and you're accountable for those actions, you know. But a lot of women don't want to be, you know what I'm saying, hold that bag of accountability. They're like, oh, no, I like this nigga. He was supposed to be good. No, just because you like him doesn't make him a good person. Yeah. You can like a, a horrible human being. And I want to be married will almost guarantee that you're going to like some horrible motherfuckers. That will almost guarantee it. Versus, let me look at this person's qualities. Let me figure out not just what I want or what I like, but what do I need? Mm-hmm. What personality types will complement my personality type? What personality or what person can breathe life into me and I can breathe life into them mm-hmm. versus what I think I like? Because I like Big booty bitches. That mean I'm supposed to go marry the bitch at Coney Island because she got a fat ass? That's goofy. Not to say that she's a bad person, but I don't know anything else about her. You know what I'm saying? So you like a lot of superficial dumb shit, but that's not what you need necessarily. And once black women, because I don't give a fuck about any other type of women, once black women can start making that connection and disconnect from the dumb shit, we're going to see a lot less of the shit that we see when we log in. The men bashing women, the women bashing men, the niggas ain't shit. I hate it. I, 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 I want it to done. I hate done. that that's the energy between us. That That is, but it's oh, my God. But it's for us to just be like, make a conscious effort to be like, I'm not doing this. Right. Like I said, I have, I have plenty. I got somebody I could drag today. But I don't want to do it. it. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I, I, could, I could really talk down on a lot of women, but... How the fuck, one, that's not going to make me better as a person. Mm-mm. It's not going to benefit my life in any way. And two, I understand that it ain't just us looking at this. 
So when you got outside motherfuckers that can see you drag, oh shit, look at how they treat each other. Why would we treat them like anything? Mm-hmm. So I refuse to contribute to, you know, now I'm going to tell you the truth, but I'm never going to tear down a black person publicly ever. I'll pull you to the set. Malcolm X is my fucking hero. You know what I'm saying? He said, when you fight with your brother, you go in the closet and fight with your motherfucking brother. But when y'all walk out the front door, you pose a united front. You know what I'm saying? I'll whoop your ass in this room in the hop between us, Period. and I'll give you that truth. But once we walk out the door, nobody else better not touch him. Mm-hmm. Nobody else better not say nothing about it. And that's how I feel about black people and black women especially. I'm going to lay down my life for you. So I'll be damned if I get on a social media and, and drag you. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck what you've done to me. You know what I mean? But that's that's really not the energy. And yeah, we have it's the to. energy and they don't. I mean, we're talking about a whole generation of people that have been talking about being on demon time for the past year and a half. Like you don't understand what you're saying. And you <laughs> right. literally That are, words matter. You literally are on demon time. <laughs> like I've seen it change. They don't understand that words matter. It, it, it's a power, it's a vibration in everything that you say. You're speaking that into the ethers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's it's bad. And that's why, you're, listen, your bravery to come on here and to talk about the things that you spoke about and then to dedicate your practice to rectifying some of these situations, it is beyond commendable i want to I, I can't fix it i that's another one of my flaws is that um i want to fix everything and i feel like that's probably something if my exes were in here and could be like this is the review it'll be like oh she was always trying to fix some shit that i didn't ask her to fix um but i it's like only so long that i'm gonna be able to talk about something without a solution and if you're not going to fix it, okay, I'm going to figure out how I'm going to fix it. But I can see how that could come off to a man. Two things. One, that's a masculine quality. And it's not a bad thing, but you have to understand that you're a woman, and you, so you have to figure out where you got that from. So that may be an over, overcompensation from not having mm-hmm. your father. That may be an, another one of those ramifications, you know what I'm saying, that you're dealing with, right? Because fixing problems is what men do. That's what we do. We fix shit. We don't vent. We what's the problem? All right, the table broke. What happens when you don't have a man to fix it? Right, but so so what will happen is a lot of women become overly independent, right? Like you say, I can buy my own bags. I can get my own nails done. I can do this. I can. I know how to fix shit. I'm smart. So um, I don't know how to fix anything. I wouldn't say that. Uh, right, but uh, but you but you try. You and and, and you have the desire to. When 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 a lot of women don't even have the desire to, but so you have to understand how men uh, want to be valued, right? So I want to be valued in a way that I can fix your problems. But if if I look at your life from the outside looking in, if I look at your life, I like you, you like me, but I'm looking at your life and from the outside, and I'm like. I don't see a space in there for me. Mm-hmm. This sh- this nigga got it. You know what I'm saying? She got it. I'm glad you said that. So I don't see a space for me yeah. to be valued. Mm-hmm. So guess what? I'll waste your time. Mm-hmm. I'll entertain you, but I won't take you serious. Yeah. 
this ring I've had since I was 16. Mm-hmm. My mom gave it to me when we moved to Arkansas. Um, there are periods, like I literally just moved it back, but I will wear it on my wedding thing. And it's usually during the summer months because a lot of times I don't be wanting to talk to y'all. I just want to exist. Right. Um, I just want to walk to the fucking gas station or walk, the walk through the river walk or Walmart. I just want to walk into the corner to cut in peace. Um, but it doesn't really deter. Now it doesn't deter men at all. Most men don't even know what it means to be a, 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 you know, a ring on your left hand finger. They don't know what the fuck it means like I anymore. I literally had a man ask me last week. He said, and this was the first time, and I had to pause because it was funny. He said, you married? You happy? Because I really don't care about the married part anymore. Right. And um, I had just was complaining to one of my homegirls about, like, my lack of dating life currently. And as I was complaining, the ring fell off of this finger. I'm like, oh, you're, you're your problem. Like, you're saying you want all these things, but when men come up to you, what you talking to me for? Like, what do you want? You can't have it both ways. You can't. You know, y- your dream man is not going to break into your house and rescue you. You know, he'll he'll get shot. You know what I'm saying? Or, or the police called on him. It's never going to happen. So you're not, you know what I'm saying? You have to be out there, you know, but... The thing is to realize, so, you know, after my marriage ended, right, I didn't, and I'm going to talk about this on a future podcast, but one thing about me, I'm never a a woe is me, mm-hmm. you did me wrong type of motherfucker. That ain't, that ain't never been my, you can ask anybody who know me. You know, and you got motherfuckers on my social media who know me since Hanneman Elementary. You know what I'm saying? Or since before I was born. And and from there to up into this point in my life. So all through the 38 years of my life, you got people who've been there every step of the way. I ain't never blamed nobody else for what the fuck I was going through. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when, once my marriage fell apart, I was like, well, Tark, what the fuck did you do to contribute to this? Fuck what anybody else done to you. Mm-hmm. Fuck how you feel right now. What did you do wrong? And work on that. Because when the next situation comes along, you want to be better than you are. I don't want to be the same motherfucker. Uh, Tamika asked me on the last podcast, and I may have edited it out, so it may not even be on there, but she said... What lessons have you learned in your childhood that you still carry today? I said, none. What? I was fucking seven. Why the fuck would I still want to hold on to some shit from when I was seven and I'm 38? My mom actually, she says it a lot, um, that there's a lot of things that she went through, that we went through with her. There, There's absolutely no reason for us to go through this. You already saw how this ended. So a lot of, it, it, it might not be the lesson. The, and the therapist asked me this. Because um, we're, we're always quick to say what our parents didn't do. Mm-hmm. What they didn't provide us. 
but even even if they didn't like physically tell you this is how you should do something or this is how you should live your life they model it like your mother models how you should be as a woman and I feel like your father models how men should treat you Mm -hmm. my father was not there but to me he still modeled this is how men treat you they can do the very least but you still gotta love them I love my dad right but see but so in so theoretically that's how it's supposed to go. But we haven't had two parent homes since they killed Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. You know, immediate sixty eight, once they, you know, murdered him and uh they destroyed the two parent home. So in the seventies is when you see a surge in single parent homes, mm-hmm. right? In the eighties they was calling it an epidemic. And they told the women that they could not get welfare services. Absolutely. Yes. The man was in the home. There were no projects in the 70s. There There were none of that. It was no Section 8. None of that shit existed. This shit didn't come along until the 80s. Early 80s. That's when they implemented all of that shit. All of these welfare programs. Because you got to understand, the Black Panthers were the first to do it. 70s is my favorite era. Because it's just like, I study people. Like, I love studying people. Like, I love watching documentaries. Same. I love autobiographies. I'm a history buff. I'm, I'm, I'm a history and so, facts guy. Um, 70s are definitely my favorite era because I feel like black people, like, everything ain't perfect, but we have a space. Like, if you watch if any of the Aretha Franklin documentaries that have come out, she's one of my favorite people. Awesome, awesome. Aretha Franklin, um, during her time where she, like, was that girl, was the 70s. And even though it was a lot of barriers between what she was trying to do and what they wanted her to do, it's just like, I'm still fucking Aretha Franklin. So, figure it out. Um, And I feel like they were threatened by that. So, then the 80s come, it's just like, okay, yeah. We found out a new way. Right, right. <laughs> to, and that's what, and I did not know until last year that this whole uh, credit number thing was didn't. Yeah, your credit exist score. Yeah. Until 1989, that blew my mind. Credit scores did not exist. Blew my mind. You would, you could walk into a bank with a fucking with with with, with a check stub. Mm-hmm. Hey, nigga, this is what the fuck I make a week. This is what I make bi-weekly. I can afford this home loan. I can afford this car loan. And they, all right, cool. Shit, this your check stuff? Ooh, dog, a vouch for you? You been living here for such and such years? You got a phone bill here? Say less. They didn't like it. So then they were like, oh, let's, we got, we got to crack it. Yes. Crack. Anything, anything to subdue black America. But we know that. So, so we know that part. But, so, ideally... Your mother models who you're supposed to emulate, mm-hmm. and your father, you know, models how he's supposed to treat you, right? Mm-hmm. So, what happens if there's a disconnect? What happens to all of those? What happens to those seventy-two percent of black children that are raised in single-parent homes who don't have that father? Mm-hmm. Even as me, as a man, like I say, I thought I got through life unscathed. I thought I made it. Like nigga, I'm I'm out here. Fuck is you talking about? Mm-hmm. Then I'm dealing with baby mama issues and 
splitting custody and child support court and all the shit that I was hearing about. But you weren't saying. But 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 I didn't. You know, I, I was too young to know. Now I'm dealing with the shit. I'm like, damn. Well, because I've had people demonize me. You know, because this is our child, and you say I should be doing this, or you want me to buy the child this, and I'm like, I'm not buying that shit, and now I'm a bad father. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen. You know what I'm saying? Oh, because I didn't pick him up when you the fuck said I should pick him up, regardless of what the fuck I got going on, regardless of my job, regardless of my sleep. I didn't come get him when you said I should come get him, so now to the world, I'm a bad father. Well, all right, bitch, you can say whatever the fuck you want to say. You know what I'm saying? But me and this kid know know the real. I don't give a fuck about clearing up shit for social media or putting on a front for your friend. Fuck all of that. I don't give a fuck about none of that shit. But I've seen it happen. So I was like, damn. And then at 15, I had a conversation with my father. Like, yo. Ooh, he like, yeah, uh, I understand for, you know, 12, 13 years you may have gotten this side of the story, but this is my side. And I'm like, right. wow. That's why I'm glad you said that because I do realize that there's Two sides, well, three sides to the story. Right. Um, and I love my mother. My mother did what she had to do. I think a lot of her situation, she stayed in longer than she would want to, so her kids to have stability. Um. So yeah, and she did not. She did not talk about my dad, and she had every reason to. to he left her for a white woman, and those are the facts. And then they cho- he treated those children better, or what I perceived as better. And I think you asked the question about having a kid that's on the outside. I was that kid. Mm. Like, Christmas Eve, we would go to my dad's house. And, you know, it's whenever you got a bunch of kids, there's always a bunch of gifts. Anyway, but it's like, and God bless the dead, their mother is no longer living. But... It was always, they always had more gifts. But we just grateful because we already know that it don't matter. Like, I'm going to go I'm gonna go home, I'm going to go to my house. I'm going to open some more gifts. And then I'm going to go to my stepdaddy people's house, and I'm going to open some more gifts. Right. So, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, so, let, just let me clarify, right? So, you would go spend time with your father on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and he would treat the, the children in his home better than you all. I don't know if it, I don't think it was him. Right, was right. His partner. But, or, but as, as far as the gifts are concerned, you know what I'm saying? Because you, you don't give a fuck about their mother because y- y'all not related at all. Mm-hmm. So, all this, it's going to fall in your father's lap regardless. Mm-hmm. So, I, because I know, I know niggas that are better stepfathers than fathers. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand that logic at all. I had a very good stepfather. I don't get that at all. I don't understand how I can treat another motherfucker's kids better than I treat my kids. I got five children. Mm-hmm. So how the fuck am I going to meet a woman and treat her kids better than I treat my five? This situation. That is insane to these me. These are his kids. Yeah, they're his kids. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, that's... that's, that's I that. think it was more so... Uh, that's different and permissive. difficult. He like he allowed it. Like, what am I going to say? Because I, because I, I don't want to... Because he's doing what niggas do in that, like, I don't want to piss this like, bitch what off. What am I going to say? Not, not, not even what I'm going to say. I don't. I got to live with this bitch. Y'all going home. I got to live with this bitch. So when y'all go home in two days, I still got to be here with this goofy-ass bitch and hear her mouth. You know what I'm saying? My mom other always overcompensated. And yeah. Still to this day, does. 
Yeah, so I, yeah, like I said, we got a whole episode about that shit because that shit is like you know I have a daughter who you know it's a it's a whole sticky situation between her conception and her birth and all that, and I'd be damned if she grow up like, oh, he treated talking about me talking about he treated my siblings better than he treated me. I'll be fucking I'll die. I'll lay down and die right now. My brother, my brother, Lord, my father was not present for my sister's birth. And the rumor has it is that he was with the other woman. And my sister has always been treated differently. Like, my sister slept on the floor. Like, we had bunk beds. So it was, you know, how do you do it? You know, we all come up, you know, with what we got. Uh, it was a three-bedroom household. When we were there, the girls had a room, the boys had a room. They were bunk beds. I had the top. My youngest sister had the bottom, and my sister slept on the floor. What the fuck? And I didn't even think about it until, like, because my sister, has, she's in therapy, too, and she was like, she treated me horribly. Like, she treated me worse. because, But, but it's, I understand it. Like, obviously, there was a situation mm-hmm. going on that preceded my younger brother's birth. My sister was born in 89. My brother was born in 91. She treated my sister the worst. I am never speechless. Never. This is a first. You are a fucking first. Wow. Like, we didn't even get into all of the topics (laughs) that I have on this paper. I got so much shit on this paper that we didn't even talk about. Like you're you're gonna have to come back. Like of course. So I mean, we're definitely gonna we're definitely gonna do a part two of this episode. It it is coming. But so with all of your experience, so if we we could, you know, you know, summarize this episode into a final thought. With all of your experiences, right? Uh that nigga you moved to Memphis for your dad. Which I'm sorry, quickly. He's still married. Also, fun fact. So he was married at the time that you got- Fun fact. Oh, shit. So it connects again to the issue with my father and lack thereof. Emotional, you know, rearing, coaching. My boyfriend left me for a white woman. He is married to this white woman. Um, Like when he broke up with me, I didn't hear from him until March. And I'm just, I'm always, the big other issue is that I extended the benefit of the doubt. I don't do that anymore. It's like, what you show me is what you show me. Cool. Um, They got into it. He called me. I don't know what to do, y'all. Go home. Like, what? Um, Blocked me again after he reached out to me for emotional support. Um. Reached out to me again after I moved back home. Same situation. I hate this girl. I don't know what to do. Then I look up and you married her. Bought a house, everything. Cool. Okay. Um, June 2021. <laughs> Same thing. I'm done. I don't want to. I'm smarter now. I'm just like, okay. 
what, what, where are you calling me? Like, what? But it was also, why are you answering, Sylvia? He's blocked um, you every a time. Much better question. He, he blocks you, and then he unblocks you. Then you take his calls for a couple of months, and then it was around my birthday. I said, "Oh, I, I ain't heard from him." Look up, I'm blocked again. You bought another house with your wife. Okay, like okay, that's on me. Like I could drag him, but that's on me. Like. I didn't have to talk to him. Didn't have to engage with him. It was nothing inappropriate. Um, but you know, men have this thing where they want what they want. He wanted emotional support. That's what he came to me for. That's what I gave him. And he got back with his wife. That's I, on me. I'm gonna tell you a truth about men right now, right? So we will freely and willingly waste your fucking time if you let us. Mm -hmm. If I can get what I want from you without giving you anything as a man, mm -hmm. that's exactly what the fuck I'm going to do. And that's all men. Mm -hmm. That's not boys. That's not old men who are past it. But niggas. Yeah. Niggas. If I can get what the fuck I... If, if I can get what I want from you your, first of all, your pussy, mm -hmm. your time, your attention, you cooking for me, you doing for me. If I can get all of that from you without get, with, with giving you the bare minimum, that's exactly what the fuck I'm going to do. Yeah. Why would I sign up for anything else when I'm getting everything that I want as a man from you? So, listen to that. If y'all ain't hear shit else, listen, listen to that. that. Niggas will waste your time if you let them. Mm -hmm. That's a motherfucking fact. You know what I'm saying? And this is some shit that I hope to teach my three daughters. Mm -hmm. Because, so, uh, I was on the episode of Row Crew. Shout out to my man, Row Crew Podcast. R-O underscore K-R-E-W. Go check out my man podcast. My nigga is doing this thing over there, right? Row Crew and Leah, shout out to y'all for having me on there, right? So I was on Row Crew uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, Jay Johnson, shout out to my man Jay Johnson, 313, my motherfucking dog, Cody alum, he was on there, and he said that most men are linear, right? So he said most men feel like bitches ain't shit, but my mom is above me and my daughter is below me so they don't they don't really you know count say that again right he said he said men are linear right so bitches ain't shit across the board but my mom ain't on that line because she's above me and my daughter's below me so it's really not that okay, right i got you okay. that's that's really not what it is right so what it is is my daughter is a kid she hasn't reached the bitches ain't shit level yet. And my mother is old. She ain't bitches ain't shit no more. She probably was bitches ain't shit back in her prime. But now she's 60 and she's past that. So I said that to say it's certain niggas out here, right? And they just doing what the fuck niggas do. They getting why they getting this good. And most men aren't serious about women in relationships until we're about 33 years old. 
Mm-hmm. Before then, that nigga is just, he still thinks the NBA going to call. He think that mixtape going to work out. He's thinking all type of dumb shit. He think he got it, though. The world is his oyster because his dick still get hard and he still look good. You feel me? But once this motherfucker gets thirty three, he like, damn, I'm tired of cleaning up my own house and cooking my own meals and you know sleeping in this bed by myself. So now he's more serious about relationships. J Lo said, "Men ain't shit till they thirty. I'm putting that shit to thirty three. I think Erica Badu said, "Don't date these niggas till they forty three. Yes, I'm pretty sure these young. I'm and, and 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 I'm 38, and I'm telling you, I wasn't shit back in the day. I wasn't shit. Like, oh, if you're gonna give me the pussy, you gonna I can stay at your apartment. I can drive your car. You giving me money? I had that happen to me. All of this happening. That you, was very wild. So like, so why would I take you serious? Because just like you're doing this for me, it's 30 other bitches doing this for me. Because right now I'm in my prime, mm-hmm. but. So when you find when you find these guys, you have to find an undamaged nigga that's serious about life. Mm-hmm. He's serious about life, and again, you have to get that I want to be married shit out of my mind, right? Fuck that part. I'm glad you brought that back up, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I did want to say that I'm glad you expounded on that because I the way I think about it is more so what you said. It's like I was not that girl that had fairy tales about her wedding. Like, I literally was like, I want to work and make money, period. Whatever comes, comes. Like, my, my, I knew that a family would come because that's what was told to me. And that's what the church says. You, you know, you get married, blah, 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 have kids. But that wasn't something that I had vivid dreams about, which a lot of women do. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mother also was, because she was already living her life, she always would tell us, like, before you even think about marriage, you need to have a six-figure income, your own home, and a car. And, you know, that's a lot, right? But I feel like she was saying, how I understand it now, is that she was saying, you need to have your own. Because it was way too many situations that she was in where men were taking care of her. But when they were gone... That was gone too. Right. So uh, I'm glad you said that because that's trauma-based teaching, Mm -hmm. right? I've been through some traumatic shit, which is not necessarily the norm, Mm -hmm. but this is my reality. So I don't give a fuck if it's happening, you know, nine times out of 10, eight times out of 11, one out of three. I don't give a fuck how often it's happening. I know it happened to me, so I'm going to teach you how to avoid what happened to me. Mm-hmm. That's called trauma-based teaching mm-hmm. and trauma-based learning, right? And I was literally just having this conversation five hours ago with a chick at work. Like, bitch, the reason your relationships aren't working out is because you're identifying with another motherfucker's trauma. Mm-hmm. You're realizing that you're fucked up and you're seeing the fucked upness in them and y'all feel like y'all got something in common. But now that's just an exponent. Bitch, now y'all, you just fucked up to the power of two. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not you times two. No, it's it's, it's an ex- ex- exponential growth, right, of the fucked upness. And it's going to end bad, and she's single as fuck. And it's I think w- that's why there's a need for balance. Like, um, of course, it is very hard to have platonic relationships with the opposite sex. It's not. It's not. It's possible. I don't think so. But... 
it's like I said, it, it don't, it don't. Like I said, I ended up in a relationship with my best friend. Yeah, he want to <laughs> fuck you. He uh, wants to fuck you. So, like, yeah. so ain't no man ever been nice to you <laughs> outside of your father and your brother. Ain't no man ever been nice to you for no reason. Yeah, but it's even more important to be able to find that. I think that's why um, there are so many women that have like gay male friends. Because I got you, you can be cool with all the gay niggas you want. Yeah, but I'm saying it's because like, he don't want to fuck you. It's you need to have that balance. I feel like that's why there's two, there's two genders or two sides or whatever. I just see it as balance, like yin and yang. Until you get to a point in your relationships with your friends where y'all are like telling each other the truth, which usually doesn't. In my experience, women under thirty. I'm sorry, y'all don't really start having real conversations and telling each other the truth until 32. There's a lot that happens between 28 and 32 for both sides. That's why I don't got no friends because I ain't never I ain't never telling a nigga no bullshit. No. I'm not. I mean, I've had... I'm telling you the truth and, and niggas don't fuck with me. You know what I'm saying? So you would never see me with a whole lot of motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't want to hear what the fuck I got to say. They like, no, nah, don't even ask this nigga because why lie? Like... That's not just a catchy slogan that I've been saying. This is my fucking life ideology. If you're not the police, I'm not lying to you. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. I, I don't give a fuck who you are or, or what the circumstances are. I ain't got no lie to tell you, my nigga. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you this truth. I'm on the side of truth no matter who tells it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think it was easier for, again, I'm, my sister is like my baby. Like, we are, that's my girl. But, um... We didn't ever lie to my mom. If we was somewhere, like we had a thing, like we called them back in the day, missions, like we were from Ipsy. So it was like, y'all said y'all was in such and such, but y'all over on Six Mile. But you now have 20 minutes to get home. So it was like, that's not going to happen. So let me just tell you where we are. (laughs) So it's like, if I don't lie to my mom, I'm not lying to you. Um, and I don't know where I was going with that, but I, in relationships with uh, women specifically, um, if those are your, if I'm your friend and I love you, because to me it's all about love, right? Um, I'm Christian. The Bible speaks about, you know, two greatest commandments is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. which I see as God, of course, but I was made in God's image. So love myself and love my neighbor. That's it. Like, it's that's it. And we struggle so hard. But if we could just go back to the fact that we're supposed to love each other, then even though if what I have to tell you is hard, you know I'm not coming from a nasty space. Right. And if that makes you upset that I told you the truth, then we can't be friends. Like, I feel like your friends and your family members are supposed to be your mirror. Your mirror ain't never going to lie to you. Unless it's like a fun mirror, trick mirror, it's not going to lie to you. Right. A lot of us have cracked mirrors. 
we're not changing because nobody is telling us the truth. N- nobody is telling us the truth. Everybody is championing our bullshit. And it's crazy. They're supporting our fucking trauma and our dumb shit. Absolutely. Sylvia, you definitely have to come back here. I will. I this this has been uh oh my god, this is I had been, a podcast. It's still on iTunes. It's called Do Better, because that's just what I believe that people should do, is do better. Look that motherfucker up but, and go uh, listen. I mean, if you want to. Do uh, it. The One of the girls that I unfortunately am no longer friends with was my co-host. Um, but yeah, it's like 20 episodes if you guys want to go. I don't know if she's, I don't know. I was blocked out of the Anchor account. So. Do Better Podcast <laughs> on. It's on iTunes. On iTunes. Probably on everything. Yeah, do look it up. The Do Better podcast, and you can definitely uh, shout out your social media real quick. Okay, so um, so people can hit you up. Like Jay Johnson says, "No shop podcast." Shout out to them because really, I'm from Ipsy, um, and I'm just playing. Detroit is very like territorial. I feel like, <laughs> and y'all don't like. Feel like an outsider a lot, but I be one be wanting to be one of the cool kids. <laughs> so, um, and I'll have to ask you if you know my brother in law because he also went to Cody. Um, but um, he told he put me on a shop talk in 2017, and it's like that's how I got connected with everything else, like Crystal. Shout out to Shop Talk like, Podcast, so many Jay Johnson three one three, Jay Johnson and my nigga Dame three one three. They call themselves the Pod Guys, but really like as in regards to connections, like there's an I think I follow Crystal before because she was just big on Instagram, but like it's so many people that I'm connected to, like Marv, not connected to, but you know tapped into what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really cool. So yeah, shout out to them, but. My socials is simply Sylv on Instagram and Twitter. So simply underscore Sylv. And yeah, my pages are open because I just don't believe in blocking them or locking them. Like if you're weird, I'll just block you. Right. And you know, she's a she's a real therapist. So hit her up. You heard I don't always talk about it because it's like imposter syndrome thing which is really not a thing that I've come to like learn but so many people it's another conversation but (laughs) so many people in the therapeutic space which is mainly um occupied by white men and women make black women and the men that clearly exist feel like we don't know shit so um, that's been trauma in itself for me. So, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> that's, that, that's why we <laughs> like, shouting out your social. I spent that, years thinking that I wasn't. That that, so. but but that's why we shouting out your social so people could DM you and inbox you with questions and yeah. you know hit you up. You know, everybody about to go on this Christmas break, but unfortunately, this is the most mm-hmm. traumatic times in in, in our lives. Mm-hmm. Is the times. During the holidays, this is when suicide rates rise, and you under, gotta understand we've all been in the house for a fucking year, so we, it's compounded with that, with the COVID isolation and all of that, and holidays and people done, abuse. people so, substance abuse and people done lost people and loved ones, and this is the first Christmas without these people, so you may need to talk to somebody. 
we have to stop believing that therapy is something that you seek out when you're quote unquote crazy or you got to be fucked up. No, sometimes you just need to talk to a motherfucking professional to work through the shit that you got going on. And your mama can't do it, and posting on Facebook ain't going to do it, and your pastor don't know what the fuck he talking about a lot of the times. So you need to talk to some healthcare professionals. You have insurance, fuck with it. Use that shit. And then a lot of, um, I will say this, a lot of times, a lot of what I love doing, because I'm a social worker at heart, is connecting people to resources. So you might not, I might not be the therapist for you, but you might need some type of intervention. Like, there's crisis lines. I'll give you the number. Like, it's nothing. People DM me all the time just to get resources, especially now. It's Michigan. It's about to be cold. People are on the streets. There are warming centers um, all over southeast uh, East Michigan, um, all over Michigan. But, you know, I'm Wayne County, Washington County, so I could provide you resources to that. But, like, yeah, please DM me. If you have questions, um, there's, there's, Wayne County and Washington County are two of the richest counties in regards to resources for mental health services, but black people are not getting them. And that is the reality. Because we don't know about it. That's why. So mm-hmm. go, go talk to Sylv, go talk to Armonique, go talk to all the therapists that I'm going to have coming on this show because- yeah. We're going to make sure we get this mental health shit under control. Check on your people, too. A lot of people are lonely. Like, when you bring kids into this world, they say that they need, um, you need to, like, love on them. Um, I'm, like, blanking on the actual term. But, like, kids will die if they don't have, like, physical touch, interaction with other people. Adults don't change. Like, check on your people if you are feeling away, check in with your people. You're not alone. Uh and yeah. I uh, absolutely, man. We uh check on your people and hit up my girl Sylvia because she gonna get into it and we definitely gonna have you back here for another podcast. I am so grateful that you came by and I cannot wait to have you back. And uh with that we're gonna get on up out of here. Peace. People said they was down for me, switched up, they was looking down on me, now I'm up, wish you would've stuck with me, now you stuck, cause somebody else hating every time I look up, can't keep me down.